You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. All right, you have tuned in to the Breaking Free Podcast today, where we are raising up 1,000 mentors to help people experience radical life transformation. Mentors to help people break free from addiction, the bondage of religion, the despair and isolation of homelessness, and the self-imprisonment of negative thinking and self-limiting thoughts. What do you think about that, Jeremy? That's a mouthful. That is. That is. You know, if we just accomplish a little bit of that, we'll have a highly successful See, podcast. I love the way you think, man. That's good. I always <laughs> say, you know, if you set your your size for perfection and you miss, I mean, you still did pretty good. Oh, man. <laughs> if you set oh, your man. size for failure and you hit it, what's the point, right? Well... Uh, the, the, the problem, the problem with our podcast is exactly that, that, the the, the subject matter, the content, the application is, is so big, so broad, so necessary, so needed. Uh, I sort of come away from every podcast going, but man, we should have said, we should have said, and, yeah. and then you're going 30 minutes, people aren't going to listen to you for two hours. And even at two hours, you'd come away with the same thing. Oh, so sure. I guess that's just why we do this once every week or so. And that's it. So yeah, I'll be happy if you'll be happy. All right. Okay. I was grumpy yesterday. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I wasn't supposed to say that on air. Man, was I was I? so confident of you right there. <laughs> okay. Well, we are we are dealing with the subject matter of relational well-being. We're going through the six areas of, of well-being. Next week, we will uh, be dealing with physical well-being, in case I forget to mention that. Are we going to bring on a guest, like a trainer or something? Because I don't know if either one of us are qualified. <laughs> well, <laughs> there might be a reason this is an audio podcast yeah. and not a visual. <laughs> oh, man. So um, let's let's get a roll in here. When, we, when we're talking about the emotional well-being, uh, the simplest way to say that is we're talking about how you connect with your community. So if we said, uh, you know, if you're a scientist, you're, you're connected to a scientific community. Uh, if you're a teacher, you're connected to an educational community. Um, in this case, we're not talking about uh, necessarily a specific community in that regard. We're just talking about all the people that you interact with in the course of your day, the course of your week, the course of your month. So uh, this can include family, neighbors, church, school, workplace, uh, the Walmart line, um, even you and your car and the car and the driver next to you in the lane in freeway traffic and rush hour. Mm. All of them make up your community. You see why we might need to address my grumpiness yesterday? Uh, no, no. <laughs> um, I'm going I'm to get. I'm going to cut you some slack there. Thanks, buddy. But uh, we might need to deal with emotional well-being. So, uh, relational skills are consist of your ability to engage in effective uh, communication. It includes listening, processing, uh, appropriate transparency. Uh, we're going to like right here. Uh, authenticity mm. and self-control. Hmm. I like this. Yes. Uh, I thought authenticity would elaborate well, more uh, yeah, response I'm, from you. Well, I guess the thing is like I'm, I'm processing uh, the connection between relating with the community and emotional well-being. And so I'm just still kind of processing that. But 
Um, but to the authenticity point, I would be the first. To, see, I, I think here's the thing. Authenticity, I think, is key and crucial to everything. I, I think every human should be authentic. Anything short of that is just grotesque and disgusting with that said so is authenticity when you are authentically you sometimes it's grotesque and disgusting but it's how you are able to convey your authenticity and Mm. and and the way uh, or the the things you choose to to share in the right moment so it's so it's being you know what i'm saying like i can tell you authentically i have emotions going on in me that I don't really want to hear no about exactly right. Um, Especially, let's say there were emotions towards you. Maybe I was mad at you about something or angry about something. So you know, going back to yesterday when I was grumpy, we talked about this. I don't mind talking about it at all. But um, if if my what was causing me to be grumpy had to do with you, then I could have been authentic. But that would have been a bad time to be authentic until I've processed healthily yes. the emotions that I'm having to make sure that I communicate to you in a good way. I've got other conflicts in my life that I haven't dealt with yet. And I'm not talking about having dealt with for years. I'm talking about for days, <laughs> a couple <laughs> days, because I want to make sure and fully process and know the distinction between a, uh, a reaction or um, yeah, just like a, just like a quick kick. An emotion in the moment. Yes, right. And then a reasoned out, all right, well, here is a valid challenge that I am dealing with, and I want to share the valid challenge, not the one that's just, you know, emotional in the moment. And so, I, you know, I think that's the the thing I think about with authenticity is some people I know say, well, I'm just really authentic, and I think you're ugly. (laughs) Or (laughs) something like that, you know, you, you, you want to say, oh, that's not authenticity, that's a lot of names that we probably shouldn't put on the network. And and if we get satisfaction out of that, there's probably a, oh, another deeper problem. Right. The other thing I want to say about authenticity, and you're right, it does elicit a lot out of me, that when you're not authentic, that basically is saying you're putting on a front. Yeah. And now this is what, it's just like lying. It's, it's really lying's younger brother because what you're doing is putting on that front. Now you got to remember who you put that front on with. And so it becomes very laborious in a life, especially one filled with relationship, which is probably a big part of why people who are inauthentic don't have a lot of relationships because one, a lack of authenticity is going to be its own problem. But, but two, it's just emotionally exhausting because for this person, you got to be this way. And for this person, you put on this persona. And for that person who can keep up with all that, who can can keep track, you got to have an Excel spreadsheet to figure out which mask you're wearing and how you wear it. Exactly. And then Mm -hmm. God forbid you mix up the British accent with the Australian accent. And then, then you're found out, you know, it's like, Hey, what you're a little off today. What's wrong? Oh, sorry. I was supposed to be this person. (laughs) So, so what you're really saying is, 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 uh, maybe the therapeutic word we would use is someone wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. And you're saying that that wearing a mask is the equivalent of living a lie. Well, it's deception. Yeah. I mean, it's absolute deception. And when we're dealing with some of these, uh, issues that we say our podcast is for, uh, such as people in addiction, Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're talking about regularly wearing a mask of some type, yeah. Uh, depending what your audience Ooh. is. Oh, and man, so here's the thing: you remember growing up as kids, you'd make an ugly face at somebody, and they'd say, "Careful, it'll freeze that way." Yeah, yeah. That's what happens when you're inauthentic. 
you start living that way, and it you you turn into that. So there really was truth to that There's statement when that. my mother told me that. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> no, but see, you, I always laugh better when she said that. <laughs> well, now I, mean, I find out it's real. <laughs> Ten years after she's dead, I find I out it's true. Well, <laughs> my mom's sorry. She's smiling right now, right? <laughs> no, but I mean seriously, right? I mean, if mm-hmm. we if we're pretending to be something we're not, at some point we lose ourselves in that. Yes, it's like method acting. <laughs> you lose yeah. yourself in what you're trying to to project and now now all of a sudden 15 20 years goes by 30 years go by and you don't even have a clue who you are don't know who you are well you have just sort of segued us in into the next piece of this uh the the things that are are barriers to our emotional well-being um you could maybe just dump them all under the heading of cognitive distortion. Yeah. You just don't have a concept of reality anymore. Uh, but but the idea of projection mm-hmm. uh, that I, I think I know uh, without knowing, I think I know, I assume what your motivating factors are in your behavior. Right. I think I know what you're thinking. I think I know why you're thinking. And, and then I begin to respond to you on on credit that I gave you that that wasn't yours. Yeah. And now what I am is out of my mask, I'm dealing with you with the mask I gave you. Right. Well, and it's all tied up in what I would do if I were you. Yeah. And that's how you instantly know. I, I remember someone oh, good stuff. coming up to me one time <laughs> and it's, and questioning my motive, which just took me back. I'm like, why would you question? And it, I, I pondered it for a while and went, oh, because that's what you would do. <laughs> because you would be lying. And it was having to do with something of generosity, I'm sure, out of something I was doing, like doing something for free. And you're like, I don't know. Why would you do that? Well, why wouldn't I do that? Mm-hmm. And then it was, oh, because you'd never do that. You would expect some hidden agenda. You would expect something uh, that that you're going to get caught with later or whatever. And, and so, you know, sometimes it's like with cynicism, it gets mixed up in this because I, I would call myself a cynic out of experience, not out of projection, right? So I have things happening. Like, eh, I don't know. This has happened to me before. But then with the, the other side of that on the projection side is when you have absolutely no reason to think a thing, experiential or otherwise, and yet you still do, is a beautiful moment to be able to stop and say, I bet I, I mean, it's just easy. I bet this is what I I'm doing this because yeah. this is what I would do. It's yeah. a it's a it's a barometer. You know, I've had uh I've had as many as 20 people homeless off the street into my house to live. And uh projection is is almost our our number one enemy in that scenario. Yeah, I would think. And uh you know, someone does something and and someone spouts off from the other end of the table. Well, you're just lying. Well, they don't have any way of knowing that they're lying but they know that in that situation what would i do they would lie. i would be right. lying through my teeth right now so i love that statement i uh i loved it so well i actually stopped and tapped it into my <laughs> ipad <laughs> which <laughs> ones <laughs> uh, um projection what you would do if i were you that yeah. that is good stuff buddy i like that i like that i like that okay let's uh let's add to our list of of barriers to uh emotional well-being and talk about uh judgment depression anxiety and emotional outbursts mm. and uh 
Those are all connected. Yeah, they're all connected. Uh, projection is a form of judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about judgment, though, in a couple of very specific cases, and we've we've made mention of them in a past episode or two, I believe. But uh, one judgment is is where you compare yourself with others mm-hmm. and find yourself wanting, and uh, you you get you just get emotionally a wreck out of that because you destroy your identity, you destroy your, your value. You will always come up wanting comparing yourself to others. Yes. It, it's impossible to not, because if you're comparing yourself to another person, you will never be that other person. So you can never win that. Like yeah. just stop. <laughs> now yeah. you might be able, I mean, you know, compartmentalize, you know, I want to be this way, you know, but even then comparing, it's like, uh, I like to play games on my phone and I realized a long time ago what kind of games that I would play. They would only be games where I could, I could beat myself. Right. Because I, you know, I learned long, especially when my, my older boys got older playing regular video games, when they finally got to the point where they could beat dad. Well, that was, that was a bad day. (laughs) So, so I'm like, all right, well now if I'm only playing against myself, I'm competing against myself. I win every day. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the point in, to me in all of this, uh, you know, when you're thinking about these particular comparison things, compare yourself to yesterday. You can do better than yeah. you did yesterday. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. There, be- there's, there's a reason I don't pay, play Monopoly with my kids. They kick I your used butt. to be the king of Monopoly. <laughs> right. <laughs> but not so much anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about uh, depression and anxiety. Mm. Uh, we hear a lot about depression and anxiety in the uh, therapy, counseling, mental health world. Yeah, um, and there's a there's clinical definitions for them. I found the easiest definitions for these two words are uh, depression is is asking the question why me, mm. and anxiety is asking the question what if. Yeah, that's good. And and both those both those words, uh, when we're involved in them, uh, sent us off into a rat race uh, that that has a, a very destructive end. Yeah, you know, I think coming from the anxiety standpoint, that's where the majority of my, if I'm talking about emotional stuff, that's been my biggest challenge. And what if the problem is is that what if is rewarding sometimes right mm-hmm. so we were talking off air about uh sound stuff it's because of me thinking about what if that i excel in doing production because i've managed all of the conceivable possibilities that are conceivable to manage mm-hmm. so it makes me very good at that <laughs> right yes the problem is that is that is just a trait and that I can say, oh, well, there's value to it, right? Well, the problem is when I apply it to myself and I'm like, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? And those are the, the key statement I said a minute ago when I've, when I've pre-processed all of the conceivable what ifs that are conceivable, if I added to that that are within my control, which when we're talking about sound, it's pretty much all within my control. This is where we get into trouble when anxiety runs rampant is when your what ifs if you go through seven of them and five of them, first off, all seven are likely to be out of your control. 
<laughs> but it only takes probably two to three of them to set you off. And when five of them are there, it's full blown panic attack Yeah, because what never is processed on the other side of the, what if is that all the, what ifs are wrong. Like the, what we have to understand is if I have a list of seven, what ifs in my own personal life, uh, in all likelihood, the combined percentage chance of any of the what ifs being a thing that happens is probably well under 1%. Yeah. But yet, because it's all I dwell on, it's all I look at, and scriptures, there's a lesson in this as well as what, what we see. But because it's all I'm dwelling on, as far as I'm concerned, one of those things is going to happen. Yeah. Which one's going to be? And the insurance companies do this like crazy. I was in a meeting once for Aflac. I don't mind saying who it was with. Mm-hmm. And the stat came up. It says one in every two men will get cancer in their life. One in every two or 50%. And I said, Hey, I'm going to raise my hand. I interjected because I'm that guy. <laughs> and I said, I don't believe you. <laughs> and I said, and the reason I don't believe you is I've been at that point. I said, I, I've been in ministry for 18 years. And I've known a lot of people with cancer, but nowhere near half of the men I've known. Yeah. All the way. And if I think about only people I've known and who've passed away, nowhere near half of them, nowhere near, maybe 5%, maybe Mm -hmm. actually got cancer, period, let alone cancer and died, you know, or whatever, but, but got cancer, period. So I'm like, I don't believe your stat. And if your stat exists because somewhere in the world, there's a massive cluster where everybody gets cancer or something fine, but, but yeah, like Flint, Michigan, right? Exactly. Like you have things like that. So, so I say that to say, you know, that's one of those things that <laughs> the insurance people use all the time. They throw out these, what ifs they, they use your anxiety against yes. you. Yes. But to, to your previous point, anxiety is, uh, anxiety in its proper balance causes you to look for answers right? or, or explore possibilities. Uh, it's part of problem solving. So uh, we're not talking about anxiety is, is just uh, the, the greatest sin in the world, mm. but we're talking about something out of balance. Right. Uh, the question of why me, that, that is the basic uh uh, simplest definition of depression, and you know, you admitted to some uh, occasional anxiety issues. If if I was going to be transparent here, and I am, depression is a thing that I I battle. You're in good company, uh, King David. He was the yeah. poster boy for depression. Yes, yes. Uh, so maybe I can be a man after God's own heart after all. Huh? <laughs> I mean, dude, seriously. I mean, when he's when he's at the cave. I mean, half of Psalms is depression, and and then his. You know, depression ultimately is what led to Absalom taking yeah. over, trying to take over the kingdom. Yes. Because, I mean, my favorite example of that is Absalom or, or King David's fleeing the city. He's walking along and one of Saul's relatives comes start hurling insults at him. And and one of David's guys is going to like, oh, let's go kill this guy. And David's like, no. And this is my favorite. This is the line. He says, if he's cursing me. It's because God sent him to curse me. (laughs) Why me? (laughs) You know we're in trouble when we start to blame God. We're just just in trouble. (laughs) We are messed up. Uh, But... But the, the why me, there, there are places in our life where we need to ask the question, why me? 
Yeah, that's you know, if if you've claimed bankruptcy six times in, <laughs> right. in in thirty years, you should be asking the question, "Why me? Mm-hmm. What what am I lacking? What do I need? What information do I need to get? Uh, what habits do I need to change?" But out of balance, mm-hmm. uh, when you want to crawl under the covers, uh, not get out of bed and go to work, not shower, not shave, uh, not not answer the phone, not answer the door. Uh, and just stay in the covers all day. You are you are way out of balance in in the why me, and there's nothing productive in that. And and that's a place that that we uh, no longer have emotional health. We have mm-hmm. a we have a disorder. Would you say so? As I'm thinking about both those things, the the gauge to whether or not I can you know am in balance would be you know why me and what if when those questions fall within a reasonable amount of control that you have, it's within balance. In other words, yeah. like you said, okay, how much of me filing bankruptcy is my fault? Maybe twice I unexpectedly lost my job. And and after twice, when I have a good job, then I can say, why me? Well, because when I did have money, I didn't prepare for the possibility of losing my job. So I didn't use the anxiety of what if <laughs> to prepare in the middle of the why me. Well put together. Well put together. That's sharp. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess there, that's why you reason, have me talk. There, there's a reason I have you on this podcast <laughs> with me. But I mean, that, that's the, that that's the awesome. balance, right? Yeah, I mean, that is. You, you got to, if it's out, but see, the thing is when it's outside of your reasonable control and, and the word reasonable there isn't all as subjective as it sounds. I mean, it's not reasonable to expect yourself to, earn 300 times more money than you've ever earned before. That's not reasonable. Yeah. It's reasonable to say, I could probably earn 5% more than I did before. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, and there is a line somewhere, but, but ultimately within that space, and that is the balance, even within that line. I mean, gosh, some point in there, anybody would look at it and go, that's eh, not reasonable. Yeah. And that's where relationships are so key. Depend on other people. Have conversations. Yes. And ask. I go, Wayne, is it reasonable for me to think this? (laughs) But you got to have authentic relationships of trust. Right. That that you can ask those questions to someone and not be offended by their answer and them not be delighting in offending you, Mm -hmm. but having a, a reasonable heart to heart conversation about them and transparency. Uh, very cool. So the last thing in our list we haven't dealt with here is uh, emotional outbursts. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we've we've talked some about one. anger before um, in our, in our podcast previously, and a lot of times people with with anger issues, someone that's close to them, you know, they they bring them to you, and you know, Pastor Wayne, I need you to help Tommy with with his anger issues. He's mm-hmm. just got to get rid of that. And that in itself also is is a wrong answer. Right. Uh, you you are messed up if you don't have the ability to be angry. Mm-hmm. It's a God given emotion. Uh, you know, I, I think I've used I, I use this example most of the time. I, I used to uh, be in the sign business, and uh, we would repair neon at a certain casino. Uh, not that I'm a uh, particularly a fan of casinos, but they pay really well. And, uh, you know, if it's entertainment dollars and you budgeted for that and done everything else, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. But uh, uh, when when somebody is, is sitting in, the, a couple comes in 
And, and one of them is sitting in the entryway with a winter coat on, and there's snow and ice on the ground outside, and they're holding their infant who has bare feet. Mm-hmm. And there's no heat or air in that entryway. So every time that first door opens, and they're sitting on the bench between the double doors, uh, they got their coat on. They got boots with the little fuzzy stuff at the top. They got a scarf and a hat on, and their kid has no gloves and bare feet. Mm-hmm. That makes me angry. Yeah. You know, and I have uh, talked to more than one of those parents in that entryway. But but someone needs to come to the defense of that child to be taken care of. So you need, but it doesn't mean that I go get a knife and slit their throat. <laughs> doesn't mean I go roll them out That's in the parking lot. That's a pretty hard pendulum swing. You know? <laughs> yeah. So there, there's an emotional self-control, but an anger, uh, God-given anger is, is to right a wrong or, right. or to bring justice to, a, to an injustice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's the evidence to me that you know, we're created in his image is, is that there justice is the thing, you know, what makes me the most angry is an injustice. Yeah. And to me, that is the heart of God because he is a just God and the grace, grace side of him is, is that when I get angry, I don't go slit their throat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or we wouldn't be having this podcast. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and it's all in, you know, thinking again, it's just measuring your thought out, right. To your example. Uh, there's people that just weren't taught some of those things. You know what I mean? Yeah. They just, they don't think in those terms. So if you're angry and you go up to them and you say, I, I don't know what's wrong with you. But you have to be a moron to to not realize your baby's fe- the baby's crying. What's wrong with you? Like that is a an emotional outburst, mm-hmm. right? Born out of anger. You can have a non emotional outburst that is a measured, thought out approach, and it doesn't take much more than saying, "Okay, I am angry, but I want the problem solved." Yeah. So I'm going to say, "Hey, do you you?" Do you want me to get you socks or for the baby? Do you want, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Start asking to help solve the problem, and then the person like, oh my gosh, I didn't even pay attention, or they're like, back off, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever they're gonna do, and then you know, of course, that's when the emotional outburst. Choose what your other options right. are after that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you stop and reprocess. <laughs> right. You're like, um, I'm gonna step away now because mm-hmm. the next option's not good. So, so in the in the context of emotional well being. Um, if if we have functioned properly, we've avoided these uh, traps or or uh, distractions to our emotional well being. Uh, there there's a there's a scripture that's probably real fitting right here, and unfortunately I can't remember. It's in Proverbs. Uh, it says that a man that has friends must show himself friendly. Mm. And uh, someone someone who is uh, got got has good emotional health typically has a number of quality, uh, authentic friendship type relationships with. Proverbs 18.24. Thank you. Thank you. Proverbs 18.24. A man that has friends must show himself friendly. So, um, you know, if, if if you are being authentic, you will eventually draw someone in who's ready to be authentic. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are kind to people, uh, you will find that more people respond to you in kindness 
than in anger or wrath or indifference or gruffness. Right. Uh, so uh, when we are able to sow out of our health, whether it be emotionally or spiritually or, or whatever, uh, we, we draw something back to ourselves. It is a sowing and, and, and reaping process. And if we find ourselves with no friends, hmm. if we find ourselves shut out in our community, uh, it's probably an indicator that we have an emotional well-being problem. Yeah, that's uh, it's John chapter 15. Okay. I mean, it's an indicator. And it, Sorry, John 15, it's where um, the branches, uh, he's like, if you abide in me and I abide in you, then there you'll you bear go. much fruit. Well, if you're not bearing fruit, we just heard the other side of the equation. Yeah. <laughs> if this happens, you'll bear much fruit. If you're not bearing much fruit, maybe this first thing is not happening. And it's the same kind there of thing, go. that indicator that we have that says, look, I don't have, I mean, and the friend thing I think is crucial. I want to just quickly speak to the, the drawing part because I think that that's incredibly underrated. I I know people who, who want to have friends. So they try to make friends by basically people pleasing, right? It's, Oh, you like this. I'm going to like it too. Well, some of my closest friends and I have nothing in common. And if we do have something in common, it, are we, you talking about us? I said some of them. I, okay, I, you're okay. not one of my closest right. friends. Are you kidding me? <laughs> 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 no, but but honestly, if I go down the list of my closest friends, mm-hmm. there are people who've known me being friends with a person, say for a decade, mm-hmm. and they would say, "Oh, well, of course you guys are friends. You do this, 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 and this together." But we didn't do that together in the front end. I didn't have that interest, or they didn't have that interest. But we were friends. I met, um, I mean, you and I are a great example. We, the only thing we have in common in practical terms that I'm off the top of my head is talking. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do that. We but, do have that in but common. But that's not how we became friends. No. It, it's truly through authenticity. And, and the thing is, that should be enough. See, this is the same thing for marriages. People are out there looking for something that fits them. The reality is, be real. And you are going to draw someone who's real to you. And when that draw happens, Mm. you're going to be enticed by that authenticity. We crave authenticity as humans. Yes. And so when, when it's there, it's not, it's like, (laughs) it's not even hard. You know, we, we, yeah, just be you. My goodness, just be you. And if someone doesn't like you for you, let's go back to what we started with. They're projecting. Yeah. They don't like you for you because that's not what they would do. Yeah. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Man, we could almost go on another whole episode just on that. Um, so we we probably got to wrap up here pretty quick, but let's let's deal with this issue. One of the people groups that this podcast uh is for helping people mentor is people who are homeless. Mm-hmm. And uh, my my common response when asked, why do we have so many homeless people, is that they run out of a support network. Right. And really what we're getting to, and, and this is why I want to end on this point, mm-hmm. uh, when you run out of a support network, you have probably emotionally run dry. Your family, your friends, your loved ones, um, Everybody that has any regular opportunity to interact with you or would would express care or concern to help you or support you 
Uh, we normally say you've burned those bridges. Uh, but one of the things we mean when we say you've burned your bridges is you emotionally wore them out and, and they, they can't take any more of you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, when, when we are mentoring people, one of the things that we need to do is inquire, uh, what is your friends list? What does that look like? Um, it's, it's one of those deals, uh, you know, I had this conversation before, uh, you know, if, if I had a flat tire at two in the morning in the pouring down rain, who would I call? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it doesn't have to be that drastic. Uh, if I didn't have anything to eat tonight and I went to bed hungry and I got up in the morning and I didn't have anything to eat, who would I call? And when, if I had someone to call, what would their response be to me? <laughs> and if it was, well, I'm busy, you know. Uh, I'll pray well, for you. you know, <laughs> why don't you call and check your food stamps again? Maybe they added something to them since you last checked. Mm-hmm. You know, what you're, what you're discovering is that you have burned that bridge. You have emotionally wore them out. You have drained them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... Uh, understand as a mentor, we, we can't fix everybody, but the, the key thing is we're engaging in conversation to observe what, what the weaknesses are, what the things that need to be addressed so we can have an authentic conversation with these people and address their issues and help them get back to some sense of normalcy. And, uh. I think we'll quit there for today. I like it. Was it good? Yeah. All right. Listen, if, I yelled. Uh, I mean, if I, I yelled like twice. Yeah. Just because of you know getting excited. And after you were grumpy yesterday, this is a really good podcast. Well, babe. I needed to throw you about. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if you want to know more about us, you can go to uh, Grace United Urban Ministries at gum.faith. That's G with two U's, M.faith. Uh, if you'd like to uh, touch base with us, you can email us at rltmentors at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Again, next week we'll be dealing with physical well-being. Have a great week. Be blessed. We love you. See you next time.